This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. 81 years ago today, 7 December 1941, uh, what uh, got the United States actively into the kinetic part of the uh, of World War II, uh, the continuation of the Great War of the 20th century. The really the curtain came down on that with the fall of the Berlin Wall in Tiananmen Square in the the late uh, 80s, beginning of the early 90s. Um, like I said, there have been seven. I think there's seven Pearl Harbor Commission's investigations. All of it. Many, 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 many questions still up on Pearl Harbor. I think that's the beginning of people saying, "Well, hang over a second, because people don't realize this that." As we were fighting the war, this whole Pearl Harbor controversy was quite big, quite big. And Admiral Kimmel's family to, till today still fights to have his name cleared. The admiral that was in charge of the Pacific Fleet headquartered out of Pearl. Um, so and we'll talk about more about that. Maybe I've got maybe this afternoon where I can go through more of it because it's, it's relevant to today. Up on Capitol Hill, I know people are very upset about Georgia. You should be upset about Georgia. We gave them a seat. Let's be blunt. We gave them a seat. Um, what's happening on Capitol Hill right now, the power moves, the power struggles are like it's Shakespearean. You have – and this is why it's so important. And I, you know, I've been a big advocate. President Trump ought to be more engaged on this. I just don't think he's engaged enough. And as you know, we're the centerpiece of the – uh, media for the Trump movement for support of President Trump, but you got to call them, you got to call balls and strikes like you see them. They got to be more engaged. What's and here's why they are structurally doing things right now that are not just detrimental to the overall country, but are going to handcuff a second Trump presidency. The omnibus bill, the Defense Authorization Act, amnesty, and debt ceiling. Those four, and there's many more they're working on. Trust me, they got stuff working all over the place, like Torque County. I can go up and down, but I'm talking about these big four. Uh, and I think because I see now Thune and people, I think maybe the debt ceiling we've put to bed. Amnesty is still out there, although Josh Hawley, Lee, the populist movie, came out and said, over my dead body, will they do amnesty in, in the lame duck? Because you need a national consensus on that. And we have an invasion on the southern border. It's even obscene to be talking about and spending time on it. And by the way, Dick Durbin and Lindsey Graham got their hands all over that. They got Tillis as their front guy, but Lindsey Graham's hands, he'd been fighting. He'd been working this nonstop. Ever since I was in the way, ever since I've known him, he's a huge open borders guy. Um, you've got the defense authorization, which is now 804, almost a trillion dollars, but it's totally woke. This is why recruitment in the South has collapsed because of the wokeness in there. And they're, they're giving us a tip about the vaccines going forward. This supposed to be a huge Republican win. Anytime the media says huge Republican win, remember, they're trying to cover up something. The omnibus is probably the most offensive because a couple of weeks we can certainly wait. We've kicked the can down the road in this thing all the time. It's no urgency to get this done. This is just about paying off lobbyists, corporate sponsors for Shelby, and these guys are all going to be leaving in the Democrats. This omnibus is going to be a couple, you know, trillion, trillion and a half dollars, totally unfunded, to completely unfunded. And by the way, it's going to happen again nine months in September. It's going to happen another year. This is a system. We're at the end of this road. We're not, we're at, uh, we're at just the end of it. and But how do you start to get the end? And so what you have to do, you have to have smart, tough people. Russ Vogt is probably one of the smartest guys, not the smartest guy, about the complexity and what's really in the budget or the appropriations. Well, you know, how money comes in, but more importantly, how it gets spent and how it gets monitored to see programmatically what's even if it, what's working and what's not working. He's worked with his organization to come up with a balanced budget. Here's why it's important. We're going to try to pull the... The clip here for later in the hour, um, it, it ties directly to the fight. It ties directly to what's going on and the power moves about who's in charge starting early part of next year. And here's why. Until we get control of the spending, until you get control of the spending, everything else is kind of a side issue. Because right now we're at a precipice. 
right? And we have to show that we can do this. We have to show we have the will. This is why the, the American people put the put gave the House of Representatives to to the Republicans. Remember, we had over six million more votes. One is to stop the madness of Biden spending. To do that, you have to have a pathway of eventually how to get to a balanced budget. Ralph Norman, this congressman from South Carolina, who's kind of, I'm not saying a backbencher, but has never really been at the forefront publicly. He said he asked Kevin McCarthy in that private session they had uh, a week ago, he said, look, I got a question. Here's what I want to know most, because this is the, the this is the thing itself. This is what's the, important. This is signal, not noise. Where do you stand on this Republican study committee or vote? These guys working on this, been working for a long time on this balanced budget that balances, I think, in seven years. Kevin, where do you stand on that? Nope, won't do it. Not interested. Not going to happen. Boom. Ralph Norman said at that moment, he became a hard no. He said, if you're not prepared to do that fight, then everything else is just happy talk. So I want to bring in Russ vote. I think today, Russ, we're going to start rolling out what you've been working on. And this is going to be a centerpiece of going forward because, hey, the, the, the left wing media is going to be all over. This is the cruel, heartless Republicans that are now trying to take food out of the mouths of babies. Right. But somebody's got to step up and say we can't because otherwise you're just going to have these omnibus bills every 12 months unfunded to a train to have two train. And that's without the financing charges. The scam is they don't really even bake that into the system. The financing charges now are going to be another trillion dollars. So here's what you got these silos of trillions, trillion for over a trillion for Social Security, over a trillion for Medicaid, over a trillion for Medicare, over a trillion for national defense, and now a trillion for let's throw a trillion in there for financing. The five trillions, the five building blocks of this. Um Russ vote, walk us through what you guys have come up with and talk about the process first and what do you have and how we're going to roll it out? Sure. Thanks, Steve, for the opportunity. So this is really, really timely, as you mentioned, because it is specifically written for the fiscal 23 year that they are appropriating or spending money to right now in this lame duck. And by the way, we are on the cusp of having a major victory as a result of this show in being able to get that pumped uh, pumped over into the new year with a short-term CR so that the new majority can use this budget to turn that into law. And that we did that intentionally. So you have a Kevin McCarthy that's out there saying, number one, you just can't get the balance. We wanted to prove that wrong. We had already proved it wrong in the Trump administration, but we wanted to do it in a 10-year period, which is the typical budget window. And we wanted to say, look, we're going to do it within the constraints of how we wrote the Trump budgets. We're going to do it in 10 years. And we're going to give you the moral high ground in a way that you've never had before. And really, that's what we're trying to do, is that this has always been a debate about, well, two people agree on a program existing, Section 8 housing, uh, CDC funding, and we're just talking about whether you can afford it or not. you got to get out of the affordability. This is not about bureaucracy that is good for the country and should just be afforded, uh, spent based on what you can afford. This is money that is being put, putting sewage in your community. When you have a million and a half going to the University of Texas to train teachers on how to do critical race theory and social emotional learning and math, that's sewage into your school. That's that's not teacher improvement to make sure they teach math better. That's way of figuring out how to have Marxist revolutionaries in your schools recruit more Marxist revolutionaries in your school. And so we're trying to say with this budget, we're dealing with statesmen here or we're trying to lead and, and be able to create statesmen and everyone on this show is a statesman at the local level. And so that's not single issue voting. That is, okay, you've got multiple threats. You have a fiscal threat of $31 trillion in debt and you've got this woke and weaponized bureaucracy that is immediately arrayed against the American people. Well, what do you do about that? You've got to merge them. You've got to say that this bureaucracy exists because of the funding sources that is causing our fiscal imbalances. And by merging them, all of a sudden you've given yourself a strategic moral high ground to be able to go after these spendings in a way that busts the cartel in a fundamental way. So just the bottom line, what we're trying to do this strategically, we're trying to delegitimize the regime. We're trying to show you what the regime is like. This is not foreign aid, which I would oppose anyways. This is spending money to train LGBT activists in Senegal. This is to have drag queen theaters in Ecuador. This is about 
having a Bob Dylan statute in Mozambique. This is about funding gay pride parades in Prague. That's what you are getting with your money. And we want to be able to delegitimize the regime and then starve it of every dollar that is going to the, to what is woke and weaponized. I just want to make sure people you're saying the administrative state and the rogue part, the deep state part of that is perpetuated by these massive this five and a half trillion, the, and the particularly the unfunded discretionary spending. You're merging the crisis in the debt, right, in the exploding interest rates with the administrative state. This is Leviathan. This is the beast. And every time you spend a penny, you're feeding that beast. So let's figure out how we deconstruct the beast by cutting off the money program by program. Is that essentially your theory of the case? That's the theory of the case. That is the central threat that statesmen need to rise to. And what they have been – go ahead. Hang on. It's taken 30 years to get there vote you know that because but go back to how people used to think about it if you think about it in this construct if you think about it in that framing you'll get to a solution but the fight just to get there has been pretty monumental right i mean we're still not there trust me we're starting it but before it was all about affordability right correct this is a major shift in the overton window no that's exactly right i mean like I used to have these debates about stuff that I wanted to fund, you know, the wall or the Navy uh, or, you know, NASA space exploration, things that conservatives want. And I'd say, well, you know, what's the delta? What do I need to be able to fund what we really need? And they'd say five billion. I was like, well, why are we even having this conversation? Take it from some place in HUD that doesn't need it. And so we've been trapped in these paradigms. And then you look at that funding, you just took it from HUD and you're thinking, oh man, I really, I really hurt the, the, the homelessness issue or I, I'm going to really have to explain that. But then you realize, and you can realize that Section 8 housing is this massive program that's leading to crime in our neighborhoods, that's leading to uh, depressed home values. And then you realize there's a fair housing network that's funded by the HUD. That's all they do is a bunch of left-wing activism that's designed to break up single-family zoning. And so you've got to really begin to think through, this is not about affordability. This is about specifically, what do we want to fund? And we're going to fund those. And what are we not going to fund because they're our enemy? And we're going to defund that in an increasingly uh, accurate way. And so this is the start of it. Did we get everything? No, but we've got a lot of it. And we're going to keep going after the bureaucracy each and every opportunity that we have. Before we go to break, and I'm going to get Cortez in here at, at, the, at the break, let me um, walk me through how you, in 10 years, had just the, the macro, how do you get to balance now that you're two, your two trillion dollars, not counting the the interest cost on discretionary, how do you even how do you even get this in ten years to balance? Sure, uh, here's the basic plan that we put forward. Number one, you got to have economic growth. You can't not you can't balance the budget without economic growth. And so we extend the tax cuts. We assume all the things that we would do in a Trump administration and we get the economy growing at three percent, three point one next year and then two point eight throughout the rest of the the window. And that's critical because if you don't grow the economy, your target keeps getting bigger and the country's hurting from unemployment and you just don't have an ability to have a political coalition to get it done. So that's step one. The next one is spending restraint, and you can't balance the budget without spending reform and cuts. So we're putting forward nine trillion dollars in spending cuts. Three trillion of it is is focused on the woke and the weaponized bureaucracy. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, the deepening of inflation, and how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer. By diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. 
Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bannon to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Um, I want to make sure that this is uh, this is uh, the thing itself because this is going to drive so much of the conversation. Um, we got Russ Vote, Restoring America has put together this budget different than the RSC. It's got some pretty big differences. Cortez, give me your initial thoughts, and then I want to get into some more details with Russ. Sure. Well, Steve, first of all, this is incredibly exciting. You know, and I really mean that. You know, as you know, I'm kind of an economic and interest rate geek. So this kind of talk is music to my ears. But it's so important for our entire country, even if you're not really into those topics. This matters so much. On the political side, let me say that I hope Kevin McCarthy will take this proposal really seriously and read it. I'm excited to read the details. I hope he will do the same and consider this. I think that it would make his bid for the speakership much, much stronger. But on the economic side, too, I want to talk about the interest rate component. And, Russ, I want to you know ask you about this because I think this is critical. On Election Day in 2020, when Joe Biden prevailed, 10-year yield was 0.8%. Money was practically free, which really uh, amassed a lot of this budget profligacy, right? A lot of our exorbitant borrowing and spending uh, was was sort of allowed because of, of extremely low suppressed, artificially suppressed interest rates. Uh, the 10-year yield is now four times that amount. So debt service costs really matter. Deficits really, really matter all of a sudden all over the world. We saw what happened in the UK. So, Russ, what are your projections regarding interest rates and debt service costs? And how does that factor into your ability over 10 years to get us back to a balanced budget, a place of fiscal sanity? You know, every morning is what's that 10 year uh, yield looking like? And uh, when I left, uh, it was, you know, 80 basis points, 90 basis points. And uh, we're looking at a situation where we had to adjust for higher interest rates. And we assume a 3%, uh, not because that's where we're going to end this year in 2022, but just in terms of the average over the course of the year. And then we assume that interest rates will go up higher in 2023, which is the main budget year of this proposal, to 3.9. And then we believe because this is post policy, this is the under, on the other side of our policy changes that it will come down to 3.2% over the life of the window. But we're not assuming that we go back to kind of those glory days, those heady days of, you know, uh, the lords of easy money pumping a ton of money into it of, and depending on the U.S. to be the reserve capital for the rest of eternity at, at, at such low interest rates. So that's kind of how we see the projection of this. And we mm-hmm. think that as a result, this is, is, is a more credible budget than you're going to see from the administration or even CBO to some extent. Right. And by the way, I would just yeah. say, you know, as a guy who traded bonds for 25 years for a living, I think you're approaching it exactly correctly. Assume first that interest rates actually get worse from here because that's likely going to happen. But then over time, with a more restrained budget, with better economic growth because of it, interest rates actually start to come back down. I think that's exactly the correct approach and really gives you, I think, a lot of credibility to your projections. Yeah, big time. I, I think, and Steve, I think we can talk about some assumptions because growth rate and interest rates, and we want the audience, you've got to get up to speed on this nomenclature because this affects your personal life, also your political life, but your personal life, uh, because Russ is kind of laying out uh, what the future could look like. I want to make sure, though, that th- there's some huge differences you guys have done, and I want to make sure the audience understands that and you get a chance to explain it. In, in these $9 trillion worth of cuts, $3 trillion, uh, from, uh, what programmatically and then $9 trillion, um, it, it, from, it looks like from existing, I don't know, Medicaid. You don't, I just want to make sure the audience understands, or $6 trillion. You don't touch for beneficiaries Social Security or Medicare right now are not really touching this, correct? Correct. That's a major difference that we are intentionally making a strategic play call, very consistent with the the promises that President Trump made when he ran for office. I wrote four of his budgets. These were how we got to balance and we avoided cuts, any cuts to Social Security retirement. And we made sure that any changes to Medicare were not going to be cuts to beneficiaries. So we have changes to Medicare uh, things like prescription drug reforms. When you have prescription drug reforms, you get $200 billion in savings that lower the cost to the beneficiary just by going and making sure that we're going to get the same price that 
pharmaceutical companies are giving to other nations across the country. Uh, another thing that you could do is just site neutrality. That's a word that says like if Medicare is paying for a CAT scan, like $230, at uh, the hospital, but they're only paying for $118 in the physician's office. We want to get that lowest price. That's not hurting the beneficiary. That's site neutrality, and you can get substantial amount of money from that. So we have very protected beneficiaries to make sure both politically and I think there's like there, there's always a logic to the promises that were made on behalf of these beneficiaries. They paid into trust funds for decades that and led surpluses in those trust funds, and then the fiscal wonks all said that that was a, a dedicated trust fund. It, it that was all spent money on government, on bureaucracy, and so I think the American people are looking st- sitting back and saying, you know, until you deal with the statute of Bob Dylan in Mozambique, don't come Big and time. ask me to raise the retirement age in Social Security, and we don't do that. This is a budget this- that could pass next year. Uh, with the commitments that Donald Trump made and also every Republican's constituency should be able to pass this budget. This is uh, a key point and differentiates what you guys have done from so much else. Um, and we're going to go back and make sure we reiterate that for the hours over because people have to understand it. Okay. So if I have essentially Social Security and Medicare off to the side, except for some marginal tweaks on like prescription drugs, um, which would make it even better to the, to the beneficiaries. Um, I've then got the whole discretionary part, which is the defense budget and everything else plus Medicaid, right? Is that essentially what is in the field of things I can deal with, right? The discretionary part of this, which is defense and all the other, th- all the other departments, agencies in the administrative state plus Medicaid. That is your field of, Hey, let's go and figure out how we, how we deconstruct that is correct. Yeah, well, we got more mandatory reforms than just Medicaid, but you're hitting the big moving targets. The heart of this budget is on that discretionary piece. Why? Because that's what members have a vote on every single year. We talk about it on this program, and they don't have a vote on the mandatories every year. They have to create a vote to do that. And so not only is it the number one threat facing the country, it's what the members have a vote on it. But we deal with food stamp nation. We deal with the the fact that we're subsidizing uh, colleges and universities through these subsidies to uh, for post-secondary degrees and uh, graduate degrees. We go at a lot of different things, all from the America first perspective. And then we try to spend where we need to on infrastructure. We re- increase money for the Department of, in- of, in- of Transportation on NASA. We we get rid of science and we put it towards space exploration. We give money to career and technical education in education because we want to be able to further that and, and de-emphasize, hit the gas on, uh, on this notion that you don't need a college degree to be successful and have a six-figure job down the road in some of these key areas where the economy has needs. So that's really how we're trying to go about this. And all of the reforms that we are doing on the mandatory side really fit in with getting the labor force participation uh in, uh, growing and expanding so that we can get better economic gr- gains and reducing welfare. So disability insurance, people gain disability. They have an ability to get back in the workforce. It's a form of welfare at this point. We change that with some common sense reforms. Over 10 years, before we go to break, and I want to get Cortez in here, but real quickly, over 10 years, the aggregate spending that you took the nine train off was what? What was the aggregate spending in aggregate over the 10 years? Uh, aggregate spending under the baseline um, would have been um, about thirty, um, about seventy-two trillion dollars of spending over okay. ten years. Seventy-two trillion, and that you cut that—that that is what's cut by nine trillion dollars over the ten years, right? That correct. Yep. So we had just to give you a better perspective, the baseline, and that's just budget code for. Um, what yep. you're currently expecting to spend under current law. Deficits are $15 trillion. We turn those deficits into $4 trillion. And that's why we see the impact from a standpoint of balance and why we believe you're putting the country on a fiscal trajectory that they can then okay. uh, pay for. We're going we're to go through that in the next segment. Um, Steve Cortez, I know you got to bounce. Your summary thoughts here before we yeah. lose you. 
Well, listen, there is a global bond market revolt going on, a revolt against Joe Biden and his budgets here in the United States. So to some extent, we don't have a choice. Okay, Steve, we have to pursue these reforms. The bond market is forcing us into that. But it's also a good thing because, as Russ is pointing out, it doesn't just make eminent economic sense. It's also the method to starve the beast that is permanent Washington and all of the damage that it is doing to American society, culturally, uh, politically, in all ways, economically, starve the beast. And the way we do that is remove the funding for permanent Washington. Yeah, the administrative state is $72 trillion. Also, you starve the beast. You also It's also the crowding out in capital markets of having right. to finance this over and over again. Yep. This has to happen. It's just the methodology. It's going to happen. And we're going to talk about that next. Cortez, how do people get to you on social media? There's so much news breaking all the time and your live streams are fantastic. Your sub stacks are fantastic. I learn stuff every day. Thank you. And I have a live stream today. I'm going to be the warm up act for the afternoon war room. So 4 p.m. Eastern. I have a live stream on Florida as the political model uh, for America. 4 p.m. on Getter. I'm at Steve there Getter on Twitter. I'm at Cortez Steve. But please see me at four and then tune in, of course, to War Room at five. But by, by, by the way, I put this DeSantis piece up, which you hadn't had a chance to get to. It's, it's really amazing. You're on DeSantis piece. So I hope you go through that in great detail. By the way, Governor DeSantis, I put up on Getter. Throwing down on the vax, throwing down on Moderna and Pfizer, kind of hold him accountable. We're going to try to get his, uh, his, uh, surgeon, uh, general, uh, Lapido, Dr. Lapido on here because he's a, obviously a central part of that. Steve Cortez, yeah. thank you. We're going to return, yeah. uh, with Russ Vote. Uh, we're going to be talking about your future because that's what these numbers do. The manifestation of this is the future for your children and your grandchildren. All next in the war room. Offer from My Patriot Supply. They're knocking off 25% on their four week emergency food kit. That's 25% off the four week emergency food kit. Go to mypatriotsupply.com right now to get this great deal. My Patriot Supply is charging less so they can help American families more. This is an amazing price. So get it while you can. These days, you can't depend on anything else but yourself for survival. Get this food today. You'll be grateful for it tomorrow. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save 25% on each four-week emergency supply food kit. Your orders ship fast and free. Don't wait for the shelves to be empty. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. Okay, uh, we want everybody out in Metro Phoenix, December 17th through the 20th. War Room's going to be there. Charlie Kirk, the team at Turning Point USA, putting on this America Fest. Everybody's going to be there. The list of speakers, go to the website right now. The list of speakers is going to be amazing. From Josh Hawley to Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, yours truly, uh, I'm going to be there, uh, make some presentations. Uh, we're going to do the show live from there. All of our production staff will be there. You get to meet everybody. So we're going to do meet and greets, make sure everybody gets to know each other. So make sure you come. Great way to end the year. And most importantly, focus on 2023 and beyond. Do we have the, do we have the Norman? Let's, I want to play this. This is how, this is what we're talking about on the politics of it. Ralph Norman from South Carolina, one of the hard nose in relation to us, um, Kevin McCarthy. Let's hear it. We are now honored to be joined by Congressman Ralph Norman from South Carolina five. Uh, Congressman Norman, uh, you were on the John Solomon show last night, made some, uh, waves by saying that you were a hard no on Kevin McCarthy as, uh, for speaker. Could you walk us through your thinking on that, sir? Sure. Well, Steve, first of all, uh, there's nowhere it's written that only one person can take the mantle of speaker. Kevin McCarthy has had four years to, I guess, make the case why he's the best uh, to, to handle the, what's going to be a very difficult job. Speaker of the House is, a, is the most powerful position, I would argue, in the country today, particularly as it affects 
the purse strings, which the house controls. Um, he did it with me. I guess this was the, the, the thing that one, I didn't understand. And two, I was shocked when in front of the caucus, I said, uh, Kevin, would you agree to go with the RSC budget of seven years of balancing the budget, which had some severe cuts. And, uh, he just said no. And not only is the leader responsible for presenting the plan, but just a solid no, uh, led me to believe he, he's really not serious about it. I'm done with 20 year budgets. The American people are done. This country has got a cancer and, uh, Ashburn's not going to cure it. And do I want McCarthy going in negotiating with uh, Schumer and, uh, with the powers that be, it's just not in him to do it. Uh, he's a nice man. I like him, but this country's we've got problems and economic, economic security is national security. The two go hand in hand. And I just don't think he's taking it seriously. And it's not business as usual in Washington. Do you think you and I would be having this conversation if the house, uh, if we had a 30 to 40 seat margin? No. It just be business as usual and, and what and went on. And, and the, the great thing about what happened, I never thought I'd say this, is is a slim majority. Me, uh, that's Ralph Norman from South Carolina, uh, interview we had a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, uh, Russ, vote, I want you to respond to uh, Congressman Ralph Norman, who said this country has a cancer and aspirin's not going to cure it, sir. Yeah, I agree with them. I mean, I think this is why we wrote this budget is that there is a view on Capitol Hill that balance is not possible and that there is not a real plan to be able to deal with our fiscal imbalances. And so it allowed people like Kevin McCarthy to say, well, show me your plan. Uh, and we wanted to be able to do that. And so he right now is not a paradigm shifting speaker because he has rejected really easy requests. Uh, for instance, why didn't the commitment to America that they ran on, no one probably knows that they ran on it, but, you know, why didn't that include a very simple, we're going to balance in 10? Uh, maybe you don't want to go to balance in seven because of some of the things you need to do in social security. Why not balance in 10? And that would be something that then you just tell your budget chairman, that's what you need to do. We're not having that debate because they didn't do it. So we had to come forward and give them a plan to do it so that whoever's the House Budget Committee chairman say, I may have some disagreements for how you got there, but don't tell me it's not possible. That's what we're trying to solve. And as a result, we're busting through the cartel in a way that that really shows them what can be done and allows a member like Ralph Norman to go into the speaker's chamber and be able to say, this has been done. You guys need to get on board or you're not going to get my vote. The founders, in the wisdom of the founders, they put the control of the appropriations in the House because you're most responsible to the people. This was the vision they had. But to use that leverage, you got to get access to that leverage. This is the whole thing. This is why we fight this omnibus every second of every day up here and then after the show. Because right now, what they want to do is give Nancy Pelosi a kiss. All these people, Shelby and everybody, they want a big thing for their lobbyists, for their donors, for their sponsors when they go out the door. And really handcuff uh, the new House majority because let's talk about it. You're fighting to say no. We got to do a short. You guys have done so many short terms. Do another short term. Let's get into January. Once we get into January, I keep saying you're going to need titanium stones to do this. Just in year one, I want to make sure the audience gets a fair assessment of this. Just in year one, the fiscal year that we're talking about, that we don't want to do the omnibus, we'll, we'll handle it next year. What type of cuts in discretionary spending? are you arguing for, sir? When you read our budget, most of our numbers are going to be in fiscal year 21 when we missed a year because that's kind of how we, the most accurate information we had. But let me give you a, the number as a for fiscal year 22. Okay, this is the real numbers. From a non-defense perspective, we're asking for about 25% cut. We're actually increasing defense spending by 6%, not as much as they want. They want a 10% increase in this NDAA. And then we we restrain it in the years ahead as we get a hold of our America First commitments overseas entanglements. But for next year, you know, you've got a 6% increase in defense and you've got a 25% cut in non-defense. And we've given you every opportunity to get, have provide a specific so we can tell you exactly where we believe your surgical scalpel should be. We're not asking for across-the-board cuts here. 
Hold it. So, and first off, you, you know, I, and I know there's logic there. I, I'm for, and I'm a hawk. I'm for we have to cut defense, and I think we have to have some real cuts in defense. Start using economic warfare more. And Navy's got to be built up. We have we have to reorganize the defense budget's out of control, right? It's just out of control, and it's no thinking. I don't even know if we got audits. We'll get into that later. But let's point when you say twenty five, you you say take defense out of all the other discretionary spending, right? You're saying that it's going to be a top line twenty five percent cut, but you're going to go through program programmatically programmatic to program. Is is have you met a Republican yet? That's prepared because that means you're 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 forcing a, a showdown with Biden that they'll clearly shut down the government, right? Do do you have you met a Republican yet that has the guts to put to stand and deliver on that uh, on on those type of cuts in, 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 coming out of the box? I believe so. I think your members in your House Freedom Caucus, uh, we've been working with a lot of them to preview what we're doing. They asked for this budget. They have the guts to do that. But here's the thing, Steve. We intentionally wrote this budget from a non-accounting austerity perspective. So what what does that mean? It means we're funding things that we believe are important as conservatives, America first uh, individuals, and we are cutting things that any conservative should be able to go home and explain to their voters why they have the moral high ground to cut it. So whether that's HUD, whether that's EPA, that's putting Navy veterans in jail for violating waters of the United States and putting four ponds on their ranch, in every agency, we have given the moral high ground for why they can be for the cuts. And so do we have all Republicans supportive of this? No, not yet. But we're, we're calling their bluff to say we have written a budget that you can sell in any of your constituencies. We go light on farm programs. We have increases for Florida in, in, in NASA space exploration. We increase funding for veterans. We have an increase for defense, but we, we do, to your point, make significant reforms to the complex, the, the industrial complex. But we're calling the bluff of the appropriators, the Republican establishment cartel members, to say, don't be for autopilot bureaucracy as far as the eye can see. Come and look at why they are arrayed against your own voters and then take that to the floor of the House and vote it because we believe this is something yeah. that you can sell and win politically. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a lot more time on this. I think what we're going to do is actually have a special either on Getter or I'll take the 6 o'clock show where I have a little more breathing room to go through it. Here's why. Russ Vote is the guy to do this. And here's why. When we were in the White House with this massive five and a half, six trillion dollars, you can call Russ up and say, Hey, look, I got questions about this program. And then he said, give me 20 minutes. He come over with two guys, right? The two guys with the, you know, the veins run up the cranium of the forehead to the smartest guys you ever met in any program. He would walk you through the details on a week by week basis of how the money was going out and where it was going programmatically. So if you have to talk about somebody programmatically, so many people just spin it top line. Russ vote can bring the receipts. He spent essentially his life or the least the last couple of years with President Trump going through every line of this budget. So he can sit there in front of somebody and say, hey, here's how you have to do it. So in that budget, it's not just, oh, we're just going to do across the board 25 percent cut. You actually go into the administrative state program by program, essentially, and say, we're not funding this anymore. Right. This is ridiculous. This is anti, not just conservative. A lot of this stuff goes against. Uh, even the b- basic foundational elements of the country. In addition, in addition, you got to take the calculation of how you're going to finance it. And what Russ is saying, I'm going to bring interest rates down and get growth up because I'm going to show that we're going to take the beast down. We're going to take the Leviathan down, take out the crowding out of in the capital markets of this continual Federal Reserve having to go out and print additional money. That's essentially the theory of the case. It's program by program. Right. It's not just some general cut program by program. Do you get to the cuts and you'll see a concomitant eventual drop in interest rates and you'll see an increase in growth? Is that essentially the model? You nailed it. We want to give people who want to deal with our fiscal house. We want to give them the moral high ground to know that they are saving the country from a government that is oppressing them right now. Okay, so Russ vote, you're gonna roll, I know you gotta bounce, uh, and I wanna give you a couple minutes, you're gonna roll this out. By the way, 
they're going to rip Russ Vogt's face off. Just understand. Because this is what DC is. DC is about money and power. Okay. And Russ Vogt is walking in and say, Hey, I got a way to both, uh, take down the money and get it back to the American people and decrease your power. So that is the heart drain the swamps too, too cute a term. This is the kill zone. This is where it'll get nasty. It'll get personal. This is why they get the FBI and DOJ all in Twitter. This is, this is their greatest fear. This is Trump. This is Trumpism weaponized. This is Trumpism going to the heart of the problem, the administrative state. Okay. And how it's funded, how it grows and what's into it. And Rush Rosen is sitting there going, you know, I think you're in a couple of areas he shouldn't be. And here's what we're going to do. How about zero? How about zero? The fights on Capitol Hill are going to be firefights like you've never seen before. Literally, Russ voting of a big picture of Russ voting a poster of taking food out of babies' mouths, of kicking people into being homeless, of you're, you're going to be you're going to be Scrooge on testosterone. Correct, Russ vote. You know what's coming. Yeah, we know it's coming, and that's what this is all about. You're not going to save your country by by avoiding the fire. The only way out is through the fire. The people on this on, on this show are those who realize that they are the cavalry and we want to arm every statesman at the local level to know exactly how to save their country fiscally and culturally because it can be done. And right now what you're seeing in this lame duck is you are seeing this show will politicians to fight for a new speaker, to fight against a lame duck spending package and to fight for a balanced budget that deals with woke and weaponized bureaucracy that is what we know we have behind us in this fight, and that's going to give us encouragement every step of the way as this gets hot and heavy. We're going to keep Russ for a few minutes after the break because we're going to ask him about specifically about the rollout today. Heroic measures uh, from his center. We're going to get into all that, how it's going to be rolled out, how you can learn more about it. Short break. Russ vote for a few minutes on the other side. Offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true. Just like freedom itself, nothing in life is free. Mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they also build the price of the phone into your bill with hidden fees. With Patriot Mobile, they can show you how to get the same iPhone interest-free without the games and no contract. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks because they use the same towers as the major carriers. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to either of the three major carriers they provide for free. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code BANNON. That's B-A-N-N-O-N. If you're fed up with woke companies that don't care about your values or our country, support a company that does. Patriot Mobile. You get there by going to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 972-PATRIOT. Getter has arrived. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, Russ Vote is our guest again for a few more minutes. By the way, up on Capitol Hill, Russ, debt ceiling, I think we might, Thune's even kind of signaled that might have been kicked into next year because we made it too hot to handle. Uh, the, the amnesty thing, we're going to fight. That's Josh Hawley and others. Even Cornyn said there'll be no immigration deal. So Cornyn, who's never really been that hard on it, said ain't happening because they run, they understand they'll run him out of Texas. Um, we've got the defense authorization. That's a whole fiasco. 
Tell us about Omnibus. Are we going to have a chance to allow you to provide the tools to the new house, whoever the speaker is, to fight this? Is this going to get kicked into January? Are we going to, are they going to cut deals? We're going to lose this right now as you see it. Right now, the trend lines are going in our direction on kicking that spending uh, leverage point into the new years. Yesterday, Mitch McConnell said and floated the idea of a short-term CR. Obviously, this program has been pushing that for months, uh, a year, frankly. And so we are in, we are on the cusp of winning on the debt limit. We've, I think we already have won on that. We are about to win on the omnibus bill. We have immense pressure on the speaker's race. I don't, uh, my hope is that the folks who listen to this and interact with their members of Congress in a real way don't get tired of winning because we have a real shot to have paradigm shifting results. We just got to keep it up for a couple more days to get this out of the hands of the retiring big spenders like Roy Blunt and Dick Shelby and into the new Congress where you have a slim house majority that can use the power of the purse effectively. Um, and I want everybody to man the phones. Get to your House members today because this fight. So Mitch McConnell, I think, was also signaling to the guys that he wants them to cut the deals. You better cut the deals. You got like 24 hours to cut your deals. I don't have to go in a different direction. So trust me, Mitch McConnell wants the omnibus done. Um, Russ, for our audience, how does it, where, where do you go on the rollout of this now? Where should they be looking? It's going to look like a lot of hand-to-hand work where we're going to be getting in front of members of Congress and educating on what we do in various aspects of this and winning the debate. Look, we, we try to pick big confrontation, big fights, nationalize the debate over strategic leverage points. So now we're going to go and, and nationalize it and win the debate. And we, this is a huge part of what we're trying to do. You can get me at any of the channels at Russ Vote. You'll get details. If you go to americarenewing.com, you'll see a two-page executive summary. You'll see the whole 100-page budget. You'll see a list of our examples of the worst, the worst of the woke and the weaponized. And you'll see an introduction from me which gets at the ways that we're trying to change the paradigms that has caused us to lose for 20 years. I'm trying, I'm tired of being in a cul-de-sac where we lose on every budget battle because we don't have the moral high ground because our own people are defending Leviathan. I want to delegitimize Leviathan. By the way, this is going to be the fight. I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be gnarly, but it should be. It's got to be. If you're going to save the country, this is the fight you have to have. Russ vote one more time. How do they get to the site? I want people to get their up to their elbows in this thing to know the details. They can go right now, americarenewing.com. The budget is all all over the place. Uh, find the details. And then on Getter, Truth, and even Twitter, at Russ Vote, they can get all the details. Russ Vote, uh, thank you. Honored to have you on here. Great work. And uh, we'll help you. We, we will have your back in nationalizing this debate about Leviathan. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Steve. The paradigm shift is the administrative state and the funding mechanism for it. This is why things are out of control. And too many of the people you elect get there and they've got the, uh, the administrator say, do we have Larry Fink? What a great way. Let's, I tell you what, let's go ahead and play Larry Fink, uh, one of the worst people in this country, uh, yammering on at, uh, at deal book at the conference. Let's play it. I don't think there's been any changes at all. We've always talked, first of all, we're, we're writing things that we think about are really being impactful for the long term. Unfortunately, the long term is not something that is topical today. And let's be clear. Populism is not about long-termism. Populism is about the moment. And let me be clear, one of the greatest reasons why we have inflation is because of populism. We are doing things for the short-term. We're try- and, and so many of the things, I mean, I could go on on the whole short-termism of populism and what we've done and created this inflation. But, um, you know, I've always spoken guy about... Is, this guy is a bozo, a former bond trader. Okay, this guy's a clown. He couldn't stand everything he said. There is a lie. He's blaming inflation on populism. He's blaming inflation on populism. Uh, Ron DeSantis did the other day. He jerked two billion dollars. I think it was two billion dollars of Florida pension funds, state controlled out of uh, BlackRock. Black Larry Fink is one of the most evil, destructive individuals in this nation. Okay, evil, destructive individuals. With no real academic background, there's no real, he's a bond trader. That's an asset manager now. Okay. A bond trader is an asset manager. And yet he's the great titan of Wall Street. He's going to dictate ESG, all this, this incredibly destructive 
ideas and concepts emanate from all these intellectuals, the intelligentsia, right, around him, and then he comes up with it, and he's the great uh, he's the great prophet of this. Larry Fink is a clown, a dangerous clown, and we're going to make him famous because Larry Fink's one of the guys that guy has to be confronted. And this gets to all this donor class, the big donor class, also in back of the Republican Party. Larry Fink's not that. He's a, uh, you know, he's a hardcore, you may lie about it, he's a hardcore Democrat. But this is, you know, populism's, uh, the inflation problem is because of populism. Inflation problems because of populism. Well, Larry, why don't you address uh, Russ Vogt's uh, budget? Because this appropriations, this budget, the spending of money, this is a po- the the populist don't want to feed the beast and they don't want to f- uh, feed dangerous clowns like you who are in business with the Chinese Communist Party. Let me give you some long-termism, right? Couple with some short-termism. Ask Lao Beijing about Larry Fink. Ask Lao Beijing, the enslaved people of China, about Larry Fink in the, in the oligarchs on Wall Street. We'll get into all that. Five to seven back here. We're going to be lit today as every day. See you back here at War Room at, uh, at uh, 5 p.m. Until then, make sure, by the way, go to TPUSA. You got Charlie Kirk up next, tpusa.com slash warroom America Fest. I want, it's a call to action. I want everybody to show up. We want to meet everybody. We want to hang out. We also want you to be around the show while we're putting it together. The year end in the beginning of a new dawn in 2023. Okay. See you back here at 5 o'clock. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.